evening and welcome to the first ever episode of Toronto Blue Jays Fan Forever. I am your host, Chris. This podcast will be posted each Sunday night and will give you a recap of the Blue Jays week that was, a look ahead to the next seven days, and a look at some uh, recent news and opinions. I take the emotion out of the game and offer a critical eye on things and also some maybe not-so-popular views. This show will also be interactive as you will have the choice to comment and leave voice messages. You'll find out how to do that at the end of the show. Now, if you do happen to leave a comment or leave a voice message, they can be and will be used on the air in future episodes. So if you have an idea or you want to be a guest, Well, hey, let me know that, too. So without further ado, let's get started, and let's uh, have a look at the week that was in Jay's land. Now, the week that was was not a very successful week for the Blue Jays. They were off Monday, and then they uh, started off a uh, three-game set against the American League East leading and best team of baseball, Boston Red Sox. Overall, the Jays played six games. They won two, and they lost four. They uh, lost two out of three to Boston, and then also lost two out of three to the Tampa Bay Rays. So, off we go with the game-by-game recap. In the first game Tuesday against Boston, Marcus Stroman did throw a masterful seven innings, allowing no runs on two hits with three walks and four strikeouts. However, he left the game with a blister on his middle finger. At the time Stroman left, the Blue Jays did have a three-to-nothing uh, three lead, rather. but Ryan Tapera came on and allowed four runs on three hits, blowing the save and blowing the lead for Stroman. In return, Stroman threw a temper tantrum in the dugout. That will be discussed later in the broadcast. During the second game, Mike Ostrile made his first start for the Blue Jays. After allowing no runs and six hits in his Blue Jays debut at Seattle, uh, Ostrile had a pretty unremarkable start. Well, as a matter of fact, he had a poor start. He got roughed up pretty good. He uh, only survived two and a third innings, allowing four runs on three hits, and he also walked three batters. He did not strike out a batter in the game. He was optioned to AAA the following day. However, good news in that game was Randall Grichuk crushed his 15th home run of the season, a three-run shot. That made the score a little bit restricted respectable, and Hernandez also chipped in with his 17th over the game. However, the Blue Jays would go on to lose that one. In the final game against the unrelenting Red Sox, the Blue Jays did avoid the sweep with an 8-5 win. Despite MVP candidate Mookie Betts hitting for the his first uh, cycle of his career, Ryan Baraki struggled through five innings of work, allowing four runs on nine hits, but the Jays were able to provide enough run support for him to get the second win of his season. 
Ken Giles did make a late appearance in a non-save situation as he came into the game in the ninth with a 8-4 lead. He did allow a home run, but struck out two batters to end the game. After the three-game set against Boston, the Tampa Bay Rays made a three-game stop at the Rogers Center. The Rays are a very interesting team. Interesting because they continue to win despite running out what looks like a triple-A lineup. As, of course, they traded, I think, half the team during the season and at the deadline. In the opener, the Blue Jays got absolutely shellacked 7-0. Marcus Estrada, sorry, Marco Estrada, don't call me Marcus. He got the start and labored through five and a third innings, allowing five runs on five hits and two walks. He was, however, burned by two home runs, and his pitch count ran up pretty good. For the Rays, all-star hurler Blake Snell had a perfect game through five innings, but he was lifted from the game after five as he had recently returned from the DL and they didn't want to risk pushing it too far. However, this wasn't very good news for the Blue Jays because they could only muster three hits between Ferreira and Schultz. And this was the second game of the week I attended. I also was unlucky enough to uh, have attended my Hostile start. And this was one of the few games that I actually did leave before the last out. I ended up leaving in the ninth inning with the Jays down seven to nothing. In game two of their series, the Jays continued their dreadful ways against the Rays, losing this time by a score of three to one, as Gavilio took the loss to run his record to two wins and five losses on the year. Like Estrada, he only went five point one innings, allowing two runs on six hit, six hits but he did manage to strike out seven on the day, which also served to run up his pitch count and make for a short night. The Jays' offense could only scrounge up a single run on the day. Once again, it came down to the last game of the series to avoid a sweep, and the Blue Jays pulled this off as they squeaked out a 2-1 to win on Sunday. Stroman, who, as I mentioned earlier, left his last start versus Boston with a blister problem, did in fact make the start and survived five innings of one-run ball before having to leave again with the same blister problem. He allowed five hits and struck out two. Garcia came on and pitched a clean inning in the sixth and managed to pick up the win when the Jays scratched across two runs in the bottom of the inning. One on an RBI single by Devin Travis, and the other on an RBI ground out by Randall Grichuk. Giles came on in the ninth to get his 13th save in as many attempts, and his first save as the Toronto Blue Jay. The year of the injury continued this week, as the Jays lost Solarte on Saturday to the DL with an oblique strain. His spot was filled on the roster by the Major League debut edition of catcher Danny Jansen, who is expected to start tomorrow in Kansas City and catch Sean Reed Foley, 
who was present at Rogers Center but is not formally added to the roster as of yet. Jansen is, of course, the third best prospect according to MLB Pipeline. Speaking of the week ahead, the Blue Jays departed after Sunday's game for Kansas City for a game, for a game set against the hapless, well I hope they are, Royals. Sean Reed Foley, as I said, will make his Major League debut after the reported optioning of pitcher Danny Burns to Buffalo and, in my opinion only, the designating of Mike Hosschild for assignment to make room on the 40-man roster. I think it's Haas because he recently cleared waivers and was released by the Astros and signed with the Jays. So the Jays may hope that he can clear waivers again and be outrighted to Buffalo to stash him for a recall later on in the season. After the four-bagger in KC, it's off to the Bronx for a weekend set against the always tough Yankees before they return home again next week. They do not have any days off this week, so next week will be a seven-game recap. I want to leave the broadcast tonight by talking about the continuing antics of Marcus Stroman. As mentioned earlier, he left his first start of the week with a blister, but a 3-0 lead intact, which was promptly surrendered by Tapera. Following the go-ahead home run, the camera showed... Strowman having what can only be described as a temper tantrum in the dugout. This was totally uncalled for and unprofessional. Yes, I get that he was frustrated. Who wouldn't be? But, if you're going to freak out, do it in the tunnel or in the clubhouse, well out of sight of the camera. <laughs> Excuse me, my, uh, my great listeners. I've got a little bit of allergies going on in the broadcast. As I said, if you're going to throw a tantrum, you do it in the tunnel or the clubhouse where you're out of view of the cameras that you know are going to catch your tantrum. It shows up your teammates, and it makes you look like a total suckle. If I was Tapera, I would have come into the dugout and promptly took Stroman up the walkway and either chewed him out or strangled him. Do you recall the incident between Bryce Harper and Papelbon? Yeah, that didn't turn out well either. You don't show up your teammates publicly, either in the dugout or on Twitter. Which, by the way, I can't read what Stroman says because I was critical once and he promptly blocked me on Twitter. Which, yeah, did leave me jaded, but I already had this opinion of him way before that. There are better ways to handle a teammate blowing your lead, and Marcus should uh, learn them and put them into practice. Now, I am the first one to admit that I don't like the guy. He is a good pitcher, but he has way too much of a chip on his shoulder. Speaking of the whole height-doesn't-measure-heart thing, this past week, the jerseys for Players Weekend, which is on August 24th to 26th, came out. And rather than the Stroh show like he had on his jersey last year, Stroman has elected, and is somehow allowed, to use HDMH on the back of his jersey. Sure, it's his moniker or slogan, 
but it's also his brand, and he has a clothing line by the same name. So his uniform will be a walking advertisement, and will be seen on national TV. I don't get how he can do that, but to even want to do that just shows that it's not the name on the front for him, it's his brand that matters. I totally get that he's successful for a vertically challenged guy. Hey, I'm vertically challenged myself. And kudos to him for having so much success. But this whole HDMH thing is old now, and so is his childish attitude. So there you have it. The inaugural episode of Toronto Blue Jays Fan Forever. This show will get better. It will be new and improved in the few next coming weeks, so be sure to tune in every Sunday. If you want to comment, you can text me at 905-730-7456, and I will read it on the air in a future episode. Or you can download the Anchor app at the App Store or on Google Play and leave me a voice message. I'll not only get that message, but I will also use it on the air in a future show. Until next week, Blue Jay fans, go Jays, go!